1 Thessalonians 5. And let's read from verse 16 through 18. Father, thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for every ear that's anointed to hear, every heart that's anointed to receive. Lord, we thank you that your word is life-changing. We value your word, Lord, and we thank you that it's life itself. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, we are purposeful to be doers of the word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So rejoice evermore. Is that us? It should be. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you don't eat and um, go to bed and all that, but it's just a lifestyle. In everything, notice not for everything, but in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The will of God is that we give thanks. The will of God is that we are thankful people. <clears throat> then over in Psalm 100, the Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I like that verse 2. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. You know, the Lord doesn't want you to come up and, and you know, be scared of him. He doesn't want you to be like. I mean, what would you think if your, if your child came up and said, Mom, Dad, I'm not worthy. You know, I, I, I'm just not worthy. If I could just have some crumbs. If I could just, you'd think, boy, you know, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> Same thing with God. God wants us to serve him not out of depression, not out of just being somber. You know, the Bible talks about making a solemn sound. That doesn't mean a, a, a down or a depressed sound. That means a joyful sound. Now, we don't use that word like that um, nowadays. But he says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Verse 4, enter to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. <clears throat> so when we, we celebrate this time of the year called Thanksgiving... You know, how much do we really think about giving thanks? I know a lot of people, you know, they're just thinking about the, 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 uh, the cobblers and the, and the roast and the, and the turkey and the green bean casserole and, and things like that. But for the believer, it's not something that we just think about once a year. Every day we think about being thankful. That's because that's who we are. We are thankful people. And, you know, it's not just a matter of having good manners. I mean, you teach your kids, you know, be thankful of this. It's not just about being nice. Being thankful is a, a matter of life and death, Amen. as we're going to see here. Because what is the opposite of, of being thankful? Ungrateful, I heard a few people say. Complaining, that's a good one. Grumbling, bitterness, judging, and it gets worse. <laughs> but that, when you start looking at that, that that's very anti-God. It's, it's actually devilish. And so one thing I found, though, is uh, most people do a lot more complaining than they, they realize. You know, it's not something people usually just own up to, is it? It's like, you know, if, if you just say something to somebody and say, well, you, you know, quit, quit complaining. Uh, what do most people say? I wasn't complaining. I'm just looking at the facts. I'm just, well, you're just complaining. <laughs> but it's not something people usually admit to, is it? People don't usually, yeah, you know, I, I do complain a lot. I do, you know. People dismiss that and they think, I don't really complain. I just look at the facts and I just tell it the way it is. But one of the things I want you to see is how destructive 
unthankfulness is. See, the nature of the flesh is pride, selfishness, unthankfulness. That's just the nature, the nature of the flesh. And all you got to do to be unthankful and proud is nothing. Just yield to the way you feel. Whatever crosses your mind, you will be selfish. You will be proud. But I got some good news for you. Amen. I want to I preach about victory through thanksgiving. Victory through thanksgiving. See, thanksgiving is the way that we approach the Father. As we see here in Psalm 100, we enter into His gates with thanksgiving. See, that's the way we even come into the presence of God. See, a lot of people, they're not thankful, so they don't even forget getting into the courts or the inner court. They haven't even got into the, the, the far outer court. Why? Because no thanksgiving. And so that, that's another reason why, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I don't sense the presence of God that much like I used to anymore. Well, what are you doing? On a daily basis. Are you giving him thanks? Are you worshiping him? Or, or you know. It's just like in church. I humorously say this. But you know it's like in church. People get up and they give a testimony. And they talk about how bad it is. And then someone says. Well the devil's been after me all this week. Bless his holy name. It's like. They got, they got their praise misplaced. And so. And then somebody else is going to get up and say. They may not say it like this, but in their, in their mind they're saying, well, you think that was bad. Let me tell you how, how bad I've, I've had it. And they give up what's supposed to be a testimony glorifying the Lord. They, they, like one minister said, he said he called it an agamony. It's not a testimony. It's an agamony. You just, you're going through. It's like painful. Who's ever been in a service like that? And you're just like, it's like you can, you can tell the, the atmosphere. Like somebody just poured some cold water in there or something. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, but when you're thankful, you're acknowledging him. When you thank him, you're honoring him. You know, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, when you begin to thank the Lord, you begin to honor the Lord. Then you get the wisdom. You get the grace. You get the help that you need. And we're going to see this here in the Bible. But one of the things that we, we should have is a habit of thanks, a habit of thanksgiving. You know, how do you get into a habit of something? You just begin to do it, whether it's good or bad. You know, if you want to change something, they say, some people say 21 days, some people say 30 days, but suffice it to say, three or four weeks, you do something intentionally, it's, a, it's going to become a habit. Well, the same thing with us. We should have the, the habit of thanksgiving. The habit of, of giving thanks. The habit of worship. And if we don't have that habit, then we have other habits. And they're bad. The habit of complaining and, and grumbling and fault finding and judging. <clears throat> and so, the unthankfulness, though, is destructive. I want you to look at Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. You know, sometimes to understand what something is, it's good to understand what it's not or to look at the opposite of it. But here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1. It says, verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You know, people in the world are... They have no excuse, the Bible says, for, you know, no one can st stand before the Lord one day and say, well, I didn't know. God has revealed himself to them. But notice this, it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. You know, anytime you read the Bible and talks about vain imaginations, it's never a good thing. <laughs> and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools 
and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts into creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up. See, I want you to realize that when we're not thankful, see, here's the thing. If, if you don't want something to be the truth, then there's nothing else left but deception. If, there's, if we don't accept the truth as being truth, you know, the Bible talks about that in Thessalonians. talks about that because people didn't love the truth, then they had a state of delusion where they believed a lie. Isn't that terrible that people will believe something as the truth? But that's what being deceived is. You think that something is the truth when it's a lie. And then, but here's the thing. If we don't want something to be the truth, then there will always be, the devil will gladly bring something that's not. And he says here, For this cause God gave them but vile affections for even their women to change the natural use of that which is against nature. And also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And so that's why if you keep reading um, the rest of the chapter, it's not good. But <laughs> you're talking about all these different works of the flesh. But it starts with being thankful. I heard R.W. Schambach one time. He said he was preaching in a place... And he was in a hotel, and he read this, this whole passage. And he said once he read it, he saw where it was talking about Thanksgiving. And he said he just shouted out in there. He said people knocking the door, hey, shut up over there. He said, I just had to, to, to shout and dance because it was talking about being thankful. And see, if we are, if we are thankful, it guards our heart from the lies of the enemy and also many other things as well. Amen. And so, say this, I am thankful. I am thankful. Second Timothy 3. See, thanksgiving is not only something that we should render back to God because He's so good, but, but it's also a protection against the enemy. Yeah. It's a protection. Second uh, Timothy 3 says this, this know that also in the last days, perilous times shall come, which just means hard times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So notice right in the middle of all that list, he's talking about in the last days, and I believe we are in the last of the last days. He says, perilous times shall come, all these things are going to happen. And one of the things he said is being unthankful. See, we have to look and see who, who's the source behind that. The enemy is. You know, thoughts and feelings can be very real. But we always have to examine the source of them. You know, people can say, well, you know, I, I feel real strong about this. I feel very strong about that. Well, is, that doesn't make it right. You can feel strong about a lot of things, but it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it God. Well, I just believe this. Well, is it scriptural? Amen. That's why we always have to go back to the source. Check the source. But I want to look at a couple of examples in the Bible just to show you how, how being unthankful, how, how devilish it is. Over in the book of Daniel, chapter 4. And I'm just going to highlight some of these. <clears throat> but Daniel chapter 4. How many remember studying even like in high school? 
Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, I remember that name. I was always fascinated with that name. Never knew he was in the Bible. And so, uh, but Nebuchadnezzar was a king. And uh, he had a couple different dreams. And um, I want you to look in Daniel chapter 4, page 1063. So, um, Daniel 4, what happened is he had this vision and he called in the astrologers and the magicians, different ones, and they could not interpret the dream for him. So he said, um, is there anybody else? And they said, well, uh, the Spirit of God dwells in, in this um, guy and uh, in, the, in the kingdom. And so call him and he'll interpret. Well, he does. And he wanted to offer, you know, Daniel uh, different gifts. And he said, you know, your gifts you stay, stay with you. And he said, but I'll tell you what the, the dream is. And so what's amazing about this is this dream he interprets the dream, and it doesn't come to pass for 12 months. And I only had seen this just probably about a month or two ago, studying some of these things out. <clears throat> and so I want you to look at Daniel chapter 4, if you have it, verse 29. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom? Notice the next phrase. By the might of my power. And for the honor of my majesty. Anytime you see language like that, watch out. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. Now, this is God speaking or an angel or somebody. To you it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from you. The same word that was spoken 12 months before. And they shall drive you from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make you to eat grass as oxen. And seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Well, this is a human being. I mean, there's nothing. And, you know, in the conditions he's in spiritually, there's nothing the salon can help him with. I mean, I mean, I mean, Alton will have to bring out their best to try to deal with that. And at the end, notice this here. He says, at the end of the days. Now, this, this is some seven years when this happened. Can you imagine what a spectacle? Here was a king, and he's out there eating like an ox. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes into heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High. What did he do? He praised the Lord. <laughs> and I praised and honored him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he does according to his will in the army of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. See, any time, one thing about pride Pride dulls and it blinds. And pride blinds and it binds. So anytime that you're walking in pride, what, what's happening is you're believing lies about yourself. You're believing lies that, that you're the source that, that, you know, and that's what he said. He said that, you know, the might of my hand, the might of what I've done. That's why God said in Deuteronomy, he said, Lest you say, you know, when you're full, when you've built houses, when you've done this, lest you should say, the might of my power and the might of my hand has got me this. But you shall say, the Lord has, has given me the power to get wealth, that he may establish his kingdom. So, you know, don't, you know, don't put your, your, your thumbs in your galluses and say, you know, hey, you know, this is me that I, I did this, you know, I, this. No, that's pride. Notice what he kept on right here in verse 36. 
At the same time, my reasoning returned unto me. See, when you acknowledge him, it opens up something in your soul. It does. It opens up. And when I'm saying your soul, I mean not your spirit, but your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. When you acknowledge him, he's the one that gives you brightness. He's the one that gives you your, your clarity of mind. You ever had just confusion in your, in, in your life? You know, if, if you've been walking in pride in an area, you're just confused about it. And so, notice what he says. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned to me. And my counselors and my Lord sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. That's the mercy of God. And excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the kingdom of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. You know, that's why the Bible says, that's why the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Amen. And you, here's the thing. You don't want God to humble you. You humble yourself. Amen. So when he acknowledged God, his understanding returned. That, that's what Romans 1 said. It said their foolish heart was darkened. Why? Because they were unthankful. So the minute you become unthankful, you just step one step into being having a, your heart darkened, to having your mind and your, your clarity and, and all your faculties. And so then you start believing a lie. And, you know, the devil, he'll feed you anything then. Hallelujah. So being thankful is our, is our safeguard. Thank you, Lord. And then I want you to look at um, 1 Kings 20, 21. I'm going to give you three or four of these. This morning, and um, just to highlight, this is so important because I don't know about you, but I don't want to believe a lie. And that's the worst thing about being deceived is you don't know you are. I mean, you never have you ever seen anybody say, "You know what? I'm deceived right now," <laughs> and um, I'm believing lies right now. Now, if somebody's genuinely repentant and in a state of repentance, they may say, I have been deceived. I, I believe lies. But if someone's in the state of it, I'm, you know, you don't, you don't usually hear people say, well, just like, they don't say, well, you know what? I'm just unthankful every day. I'm just, I, I'm, you know, I like curses and I like being unthankful. And, you know, I, you know, I just like the, the devil messing with me. People don't admit to things like that. But look over at 1 Kings 21. This is a story about uh, Naboth. And then, um, why don't we just read in verse 1? It says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab. So it was, it was bordering the palace, this piece of land. Ahab said unto Naboth, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near to my house. And I will give it, give for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to you, I will give you the worth of it in money. So here he wants this piece of land and says, hey, this is close to me. You know, give it to me or, not, and I'll, or I'll give you even more money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto you. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Now you're talking about the king. Laid in his bed and pouted. And as we say in the south, he, he piled up in the bed. He, he, here he is, he's piled up in the bed. Just laying there as the king. Not being thankful for what God had already given him. Not being thankful for what he had. I mean, he probably had everything. You know, he could have said, okay, if you don't, that's fine. Um, I'll go over here and buy this other piece of land. But he was determined he was going to have this. And what happened? He said, 
no, I can't do that because, you know, I, that's my inheritance. And, and Ahab could have said, okay, yeah, you know, your inheritance, that's, that's important. But he went and laid in the bed. And so here comes his wife, which his wife's name is Jezebel. That's not good. And, and so I think I heard somebody recently, I think they named their cat Jezebel or something. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that cat's on a, a short rope. Things shall not be well with thee. <laughs> and so here's Jezebel comes in and says, Hey, baby, what's wrong? You know, he's like, he's like, what? Naboth won't give you his vineyard. Naboth won't give you his vineyard. Well, you're the king. You know, he's just over there moping and, and crying and complaining. How many think he's yielding to the devil? How many know he's not thankful for what he had? And so the thing that you have to, when you get the big picture of this, of, of, of self-pity, how ugly that is. You know, one of the best things that I, as a minister, can, can say to anybody, some of the best advice, and it's not because I'm giving it, but some of the best advice I can give is this. Never under any circumstance, for any reason, ever, never, ever, ever feel sorry for yourself. Why? Because when you start going down that road of what, what people owe me and they didn't recognize me and they didn't acknowledge my gift and, and they didn't shake my hand and, and the boss didn't say anything to me. and <clears throat> You know what that is? That, that's the, the seed that other things develop. Bitterness. Envy, jealousy, offense, murder. Why? Because I should have had that. That should have been my vineyard. Well, his wife was well too much willing to help him. And so, of course, what happened is he said, she wrote letters to the king, this other king, in his name. Signed the letters and said, okay, call a proclaim a fast, put Naboth at the front and, and acknowledge him, but then have two sons of Belial, which is a, another name for the devil. Have two sons of Belial. I mean, you can see how sinister she was. Where did she get her, her cohorts from? Sons of Belial. And they shall, they shall uh, accuse him and say that he blasphemed the king and God. And then they're going to take him out and stone him. And uh, that's exactly what happened. And then they, they send back word. And uh, anyway, he dies. And what happens is uh, the, the man of God comes down. Elijah comes down and says, um, you know, hey, this is what's going to happen. And the dog's going to, just like Naboth, the, the dogs are going to lick your blood. He said, why are you coming out? You know, basically, you know, he's, he, he kind of say this phrase, bowed up on him. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You bowed up on somebody, you, you, you got all, maybe I need to interpret that a little bit. You know, people say, don't bow up on me, you know, somebody challenge somebody. Well, that's what happened. You know, he, he got full of pride and he just, and so anyway, but he starts announcing what's going to happen. He, he tells him, this is what's going to happen. And, and the same thing is going to happen to your wife, Jezebel. The dog's going to lick her blood at the gate. Well, Ahab didn't really like that word, but you know what the Bible says? <laughs> you know what's amazing about that? In uh, Later in the chapter 21, it said, ah there was none in verse 25 like Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. So you thought he was bad. She was even worse. He did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words 
that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and, and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days. But in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. I mean, the mercy of God. And see, that's why it doesn't matter what you've done in life. It doesn't matter how bad you've blown it. It doesn't matter how bad people have sinned. If they will humble themselves and say, God, forgive me. I, that was stupid. I, I repent. I'm asking you for mercy. Just, Lord, give me one more chance. He will. He will. He will, he will come in. He will forgive. But, it, but if we, you know, the Bible talks about being stiff-necked. I mean, you can see it with people. It's like their, their, their whole composure just changes. And it's like their, their whole body language changes. What, what are they doing? They're hardening themselves. They're stiffening their neck. I mean, think about the Bible. Stephen told, he was preaching to those people right before he gets stoned. He says, he, here's the end of his sermon. You stiff-necked and rebellious people, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? That was the end for him. They didn't say, oh, Stephen, you're right. Oh, we repent right now. They said, away with such a fellow as this. <laughs> you know, he's not fit to live. And so, <clears throat> because Ahab was not thankful, here's the thing. When, when Ahab was laying right there, pouting in the bed, a man's life was in jeopardy by the thoughts that was going through his mind. That's why a thought, you know, I've just been thinking about this this week and studying some of these things. But, you know, sometimes people say, well, I don't believe. You know, people think you have your truth, I have my truth. But no, there's only the truth. There's only the truth. And people say, well, if I can't see it, I, I'm not going to believe it. But then those same people will turn around and say, start talking about thoughts, which they can't see, which they can't place. You know, how many, how many know we use that phrase? Well, I can't put my finger on it. You know, I can't, I, I don't know what's going on there, but I can't put my, and I can't put my finger on it. Well, that's true. You can't put your finger on a thought, but it's still, it's still tangible in the spirit realm. We just can't, just like angels, they're tangible. Yeah. I mean, they're real beings. We just can't see them unless God opened our eyes into the, another dimension. <clears throat> and so that's why I deal with those thoughts when they come, especially thoughts of self-pity right. and feeling sorry for yourself. And I just got to lay in the corner and put a cool cloth on my head. And uh, <laughs> that, that's why you can't live by feelings. Right. Amen. When, when you feel like, crying, that's when you have to shout. When you feel like just, you know, pulling your hair out, that's when you just have to go minister to someone else. Thank you, Lord. I was thinking also about Judas. Judas. Here, here's a man, and when we say these things, we don't judge him at all. We say this to judge ourselves. But think about Judas. Here was a man who had part in the apostles. You remember what they said in, in the book of Acts. When they were trying to choose a different one to fill his place. It said that they made. Whoever this was was going to take part of the ministry and apostleship. From which Judas by transgression fell. That he might go to his own place. But here's the thing. Judas wasn't just. He wasn't just deceived and he didn't just you know some people even preach this that, that well you know he really didn't want to miss it but he, he wanted to just fulfill scripture that's not true you know he didn't just say well God you know Lord I, I really want to obey you but someone has to fall so it's going to be me no that, that's not true but Judas chose something else Judas chose 
Maybe, maybe the, the enemy, and we see the, the Bible says that Satan entered into him, but, but it was never enough for him. You know, it was interesting when you read even about David. Remember when David and Bathsheba, he committed adultery. The prophet even came to him and said, if, if, it wasn't, um, if you didn't have enough, then I would have given you more. If you would have asked, I would have given you more. You didn't have to take someone else's wife. I mean, thank God, thank God for where we're living now. I mean, one is enough. Amen. Amen. And that's, that, that's, that's no, um, I'm saying that for everybody. Lest, lest I dig a hole in for myself. Um, what? I'm saying that for everybody. Maybe I should have said it like that first, but. Matt, you better get me out of the hole. <laughs> Everyone bow your heads. Amen. <laughs> but when you read the Old Testament, thank you. I need to grab that thought. <laughs> grab that thought and bring it back. <laughs> But I thank God for my wife. And, but, you know, when you, when you see the, in the Bible, when you, when you see the, these people that had so many wives, I mean, no wonder they lost their kingdom. Lost their brains, too. Anyway, where was I when I said that? But we see, we see Judas, that he had a part, and, and you know, he told David, you know, if, if it wasn't enough, then I would have given you more. And we, so we look at the faithfulness of God. Look at the faithfulness of God. That Look over in John chapter 12. So we're talking about being thankful. We're talking about victory through thanksgiving. But we have to be on guard that we guard our heart. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, the forces of life. Well, what are the issues of life? Not only just the, the strength, but also the real issues that we deal with, the walking in love or envy or jealousy or all those things. They come out of the heart. You know what Jesus said one time? He said, because of the, um, the Pharisees were always talking about washing, and they had a ritual of washing. Your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. He said, it's not that that, comes, uh, that goes in the man that defiles him, but that what comes out. He said, for within are adulteries, fornication, theft, murders, all those things. That comes out of the heart. So that's why we have to guard our heart. You know, in the Old Testament, the Bible also says, rend your heart, not your garment. He told some people that because here they are, they're, they're tearing their clothes, but it was just a show. It was just a, a, a show of humility. But God could see right through that and see their heart. They weren't humbling themselves. So, so rend your heart, humble your heart. Amen. It's not good enough just to stand and... and, and Lift your, you lift your hands and say, Lord, I worship you. And you, you're thinking everything else except what you should be thinking about. Right. And that's him. But don't you notice right here, he says, in John 12, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table. Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples. Uh-oh. Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. You know, it's bad when you introduce somebody in the scripture and you say, the one who is a traitor. But that's what he did. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence 
and given to the poor. See, he wanted more. It was not enough for him to, to be part of, of, of the ministry of Jesus. He even was the treasurer. He took care of the money. In fact, the Bible says he's a thief as we see this next verse. But undoubtedly, the disciples didn't know that. If the other disciple had known it, Peter would have chopped his ear off, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's what the Bible says. I mean, the, the sons of thunder would have taken him out. I mean, just, he would have been in bad trouble. But he was, he was taking money little by little. And so that's why when we see later, he says, go and, and uh, whatever you do, do quickly. Now, he was talking about him uh, betraying him. But the, the Bible even says they thought he was going to go and get money and give it to the poor. Why? Because Jesus must have been known for doing that. For, and, and Judas would go take out money and, and do that. But he also was part of Help Thyself Ministries International. And so, you know... When you really look at this story and study it out, the thing that this really, this really was, was it for him. That was the last straw. That was, the, that was it. I mean, that was the last weight right there. He, could, he couldn't deal with that. Why? Because here's the thing. When you study out, it, they say it's a year's wages. Just say $50,000. He said this. He said, this was a waste. You know Why? Because he was wanting that 50000 in the bag. He was wanting that 50000 in the bag so he could put his hands on it. And so, notice what it says. Simon said, why was this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, I love, the Bible never leaves you in the dark. This he said, not because he cared for the poor. But because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you. But me you have not always. But you know, religion, it, that sounds real, real nice and just, um, you know, let's go and help the poor. But here, let me ask you this. The people that say that, what are they doing to help the poor? Right. You know, people say, well, you know, you should go do that and help the poor. Well, what are you doing to help the poor? Amen. Just asking. <laughs> but notice he says, um, if you keep reading down, skip down. Um, in in um, chapter 13. Verse 2, and supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So we see this. I believe that, that, you know, it was something that was working. And the devil, he's very crafty. He's very deceitful. And so he spoke to him. And then it says, and I believe especially through this offering. I mean, that was the last straw for him. And so, you know, him not being thankful, him not being appreciative what was it? He was covetous. He was greedy. And so when you're greedy, then it's going to open up to other things. And then, of course, we see where he washes the feet of um, the disciples. But I want you to look down in verse 24. He says, or 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now that's talking about John. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. So here, you know, you can imagine the disciples. They're, they're really freaked out about this. They're saying, you know, hey, one of us is going to betray him. In, in other um, accounts, they even say, is it, is it me? Lord, is it me? He then lying on Jesus' breast says to him, Lord, who is it? Je Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, one thing you have to realize this is he gave him this bread. This was something that a friend would do. 
as a friend, he's given this. Even, even he knows it's going to be Judas. He's still reaching his hand out to him. He's still saved. And see, Judas didn't have to. He could have repented right there. He could have. How do I know that? Because Peter, he missed it big time. And then he repented. It said he went out and wept bitterly. But, but with, with Judas, it wasn't enough. So here, here it is. As his friend, he's reaching out. And he may have taken it, but then he's like, I'm going to betray him. See, covetousness will blind you. He wanted that 50000 going in his pocket. Hallelujah. So what's the story here? The story is that we be thankful for what God's given us. That we be thankful for, for where, even if it's, it doesn't seem like it's as much as someone else. That's why you can't compare yourself, the Bible says. It is, the Bible says if you compare yourselves one with another, you're not wise. And so don't compare yourself and say, well, what? I don't have that much. I was thinking about Lucifer. See, it all comes from him. He had a place in God's kingdom, but it wasn't enough. He led the worship. The Bible says that the, the, the creating of the tabrets within him, the wind of God blew through him and made this music. That's where we have um, stringed instruments and talking about the different sounds that came through him. But what happened? It wasn't enough. Ezekiel 14, and if you look in, um, I mean, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, what does he end up saying? Not only did he want to be like God, he said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the heavens. I'm going to be greater. I'm going to be greater. I, I just, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I just heard a minister say this. And um, he's a um, worship leader. And he said, he was asking the Lord one time about that. And he said, Lord, how did you, how did you know? Of course, the Lord knows everything and he sees everything. But he said, Lord, how did you find that? You know, the Bible says, till iniquity was found in Lucifer. He was perfect in God's sight until iniquity was found. He said, how did you, how did you find out? He said, I heard it. I heard it coming out of him. I heard the sound. And so <laughs> the sound that came out of Lucifer was, it wasn't enough. So he wasn't thankful. And what happened is, is the Bible said he fell. And then lastly, I was thinking about Peter. Here's Peter on the ministry team of Jesus. What, and how many remember the one time he says, who do men say that I am? And he said, some say that you're this, some say that you're Elijah. He said, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood's not revealed this, but my father, which is in heaven. But I want you to know the same day, the same that afternoon. Is it possible to yield to the Holy Ghost in the morning and yield to the enemy in the afternoon? Yes. And so this, this thing happens and, 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 and Peter looks at Jesus. He says, Lord, be it far from you. Because he's talking about he's going to die. How many know Jesus... He was born to die. He knew what his, his plan was. He knew what God had called him to. And so he said, um, he said, be far from you. Other translations say this, pity thyself. Pity thyself. What's he saying? Lord, no, it's, that's not going to happen to you. You know, it's going to be okay. And, and don't feel sorry for yourself, Lord. It's not going to. Some of the strongest language that Jesus ever used in the scripture he immediately turned and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, he wasn't calling Peter Satan, but he was yielding to the devil. And, and those words that came out, why? Because Jesus knew, Jesus wasn't saying, oh, Lord, I know that you've called me to do this. But, Lord, I'm just having a hard time with this right now. And uh, I'm feeling sorry for myself. No, he knew exactly what, now he did say, Lord, if it be possible, but not my will, thou be done. And so the thing that we have to do, and see, Jesus, he, he prayed that prayer. 
And he, he fulfilled the plan of God. And then thank God that, that Peter turned around. But that's some of the strongest language he told him. Get behind me. <clears throat> so we had to guard against being unthankful. Eradicate this from your vocabulary. I deserve. Never say that. I deserve. You know, if somebody tells me, well, you, you know, you, you know, if, I was, if someone was to tell you, say, well, or tell me or anybody, well, you know, you work hard, you deserve it. They said the wrong thing. I say it like this. No, the Lord is just good to me. The Lord is just good to me. He's a lot better than I deserve. Well, you know, they should have done more for you. As, you know, as much as you, you poured into that company for 20 years and, and they should have done more for you. You know, there was, a, there was a church, this one pastor, they had a, a um, and they had like a, um, like we have in October, like a pastor's appreciation. And, uh, you know, we thank you for the blessing that everyone has been to us. And, um, but during this pastor appreciation, this one church, this was many years ago, this guy called into this ministry and he said, Hey, I want you to um, get somebody to take this church. I'm leaving. He said, you are? He said, yep, I'm leaving. Well, hold on, brother. Didn't, didn't the, um, the Lord tell you to go there? He said, yeah, but, but I'm leaving. He said, wow, what's going on? He said, do you know what the church got me for pastor appreciation? He said, no, what? He said, a five-by-seven picture of Jesus. He said, and it wasn't even framed. The whole church pulled together and got him a five-by-seven picture of Jesus. <laughs> but, but he didn't say, thank you, Jesus. He said, I'm leaving. <laughs> and, and so anyway, but he didn't. The, the minister was able to talk to him and, and, and straighten, you know, his thinking out a little bit. But he said, you know, I'm leaving. He said, you know, these people don't appreciate me. He said, well, who said they have to? He said, who said they have to? Did the, did the Lord say, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and yea, they shall appreciate, appreciate you much? No. <laughs> you, if you're called, I mean, you're there to do a, a, a mission, whether people are, are thankful for you or not. Amen. If it's right, they will thank, thank the Lord one day. And so, um, just like, like he said here, pity thyself. Jesus reacted strongly, but we see that Ahab did not. He yielded to it. He laid in the bed. He felt sorry for himself. So be thankful for the little things. Be thankful for the... What, what should I be thankful for? Every, the little things. Even the little things that other people don't think about. Lord, I thank you for my house. I thank you for my car. I thank you, Lord, for... Good night's sleep. Thank you for my pillow. Thank you for my bed. Lord, thank you for the air. Thank you for the birds. Thank you, Lord, for the trees. Thank you for the lights out here. And the, you know, Lord, thank you for the air conditioning and the, the heat in here. Um, I mean, there's so many things to be thankful for. Be thankful for the big things. And then be thankful in everything. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. Notice it doesn't say for everything. Lord, I just thank you for this tumor I have. Lord, I just, Lord, I just thank you for these growths on my hand. Lord, I, you, know, you know, Lord, I just thank you for um, that that person hit me in the car. Lord, it's working out something good in my life. It's, it's working patience in my life. No. See, people don't think stupid stuff like that until they get in church. <clears throat> and then they get all... Fuzzy minded. That's what Norval Hayes said, their mind going fuzzy. <laughs> but in everything, so no matter what's, what's happening in my life, in everything, I can give thanks. So, you know what, Lord, that, that was a, you know, sometimes you just, it could, be a, it could be a bad time in your life. Think about Job. That was only a, a nine month period in his life. But in everything, give thanks. Lord, even though this is going on, I just thank you. You're, 
Lord, I lost a job here, but I thank you for bringing in a better job. I thank you, Lord, that that job is going to pay more, that, that it's going to be better. It's going to be better everything. And so that's what you have to do in everything. Give thanks. So I want you to help each other out whenever, you know, if you see a, a, a fellow church member in there, or fellow brother and sister, you know, if, if they start to complain, uh, just, just encourage them a little bit. Amen. But I want to, you know, it's not just about, you know, something that's a good trait to have. Being thankful will protect your life. And that's why he says, protect your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for the opportunity just to worship and to magnify you. Lord, we are so thankful, so thankful, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you're such a good God. Lord, where would we be without you? Where would we be if it wasn't for your mercy and your grace? Lord, in a bad place. And we magnify you. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy that just covers us. Lord, that you gave us a second chance when we didn't deserve one. Lord, we, we don't deserve anything. But it's, everything is by your grace. And we receive it by faith. Lord, whether it's healing in our body, whether it's our finances being provided for, it's, it's grace plus by faith plus nothing. And we receive it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, right before we go, if you're in this place and you've, you say, you know, you've been talking about being thankful and you, you've been talking about keeping a heart of thanksgiving. But I've never, I've never accepted Jesus into my heart, but I'd like to. I want, I want him to come into my life and start today as a new day. And, and, and be thankful for the day being a new day today. If that's you, we want to pray for you. Or secondly, if you're in this place, and just like the prodigal son of old, the Bible says that, that he went away from the father's house. But he, he, he said, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to go back. And, and the, what happened, we see, is the father put a ring on his finger put the robe on him, put shoes on him, and accepted him back. And we know that's what the Father God does. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day, not tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Many times people say, well, tomorrow I'll get right with God. But that day never comes. So if that's you, on either one of those, for the first time, or if you say, I want to come back today. I want to make, let today be a new day. I want to make, you know, this is not a New Year's resolution. This is a, 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 a not, this is not turning over a new leaf. This is receiving eternal life. So if that's you, with every head bowed, no one looking around, just raise your hand. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Today is the day. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you raise your hand, then just come on up. We want to pray with you and for you. Amen. It's a, it's a bold step, but Jesus died for us in public. We want, we want to receive him in public. Amen. If you didn't raise your hand and you want to be included in that prayer, come on up. I'm going to ask my wife to come up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, even if you didn't come up and you want to pray this prayer, you can, you can pray this prayer with us. And, and one, it's a one-size-fits-all prayer. So just pray this with us as we pray. Say, Father, Father I come to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you said, Lord, you said, if I believe in my heart, that you raised Jesus from the dead and confess him with my mouth, I shall be saved. I shall be saved. 
So, Father, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I take him now as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Let me never be the same again. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. And thank you, Lord, that you're coming back again for me. Let me never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.